The following podcast is a production of Gill Adventures, written and recorded by Eva Gill. Family Dive. I was grateful that we were taking such small steps. Each one seemed insignificant as the instructor talked, yet I found them all so unnerving as I began. I kept moving forward, doing as I was told, feigning comfort. I didn't want the girls to know how this made my stomach tighten and my heart surge. They seemed to be happy breathing underwater, and I was surprised to find that I was not. Yet, as we finished each small step toward the ocean, my chest would begin to unclench until we started the next step. Sitting on the bottom of the pool, the sound of the air through my regulator and the bubbles as they passed in front of my face seemed more like science fiction than recreation, Darth Vader with gurgles. Our instructor, Russ, asked us to take the regulator out of our mouths, let go of it, catch it, put it back, and begin breathing again. Why was this so frightening? As I watched my ten-year-old finish this task with no hesitation or difficulty, I knew there was no way out. My turn, breathe in, regulator out, let go, sweep my arm, catch. Back in my mouth, press to clear, breathe. I did it. My heart slows, relief. After anticipating this for weeks, we were here, ready to experience our first dive together as a family. We had snorkeled on other vacations. Even little Marley is fairly adept at diving down and then clearing her snorkel when she returns to the surface. On the big island of Hawaii, we swam with the turtles and untold numbers of fish by the city of refuge. The turtles were curious about these strange creatures coming into their sea. We repeatedly had to back away at their approach to avoid touching them. We watched one eat the remains of a coconut on the ocean floor and wondered at the color of the butterfly fish and the scorpion fish. It seemed that the natural next step, now that Marley was old enough, was to move to scuba gear. This was a new experience for all of us. Learning to dive in Central Oregon includes open water dives into our lakes. As one who will barely get wet, even at the surface of the lake, where the sun has taken the edge of the chill from the water and left it so there is still a small bit of air left in my lungs after the cold knocks the rest of it from me when I jump from the boat, the idea is just unpalatable. While running the Dude Ranch, we were able to take vacations, but working in time was challenging. These trips could never happen during the summer, our peak season at the ranch, when we were not able to stay away from home for any night except Wednesdays. The rest of the year, we could manage a week or even two away, never long enough to want to spend our vacation time taking an open water diving course. Besides, we might not even like it. For this trip to Puerto Morales, Mexico, I found the perfect solution. It's called Discover Scuba, a program where we could take a lesson in the morning, move to the pool, and be diving the reef in the afternoon. Once we had taken this abbreviated course, we could also dive in other locations as a resort diver with an instructor. This area on the Yucatan was a diver's paradise, on the second largest barrier reef in the world. But now, sitting at the bottom of the pool, I was dubious. Russ seemed so content in the water. We newbies moved with a stronger sense of up and down, much as we would on land or swimming on the water surface. Turning was either feet down or, like Superman, belly down, moving through the water. His upside-down figure, feet up, head down, as he turned to watch, spoke of ease in this weightless world, a different sense of space and gravity. As I stayed under, trying to find neutral buoyancy and moving about, my anxiety slowly made way for comfort, and I was able to explore the experience. Finally, we left the pool and were ready for the reef. As we headed out on the boat, 
I learned of the next fearful step. This style of boat requires a backward roll entry into the water. This means just what it sounds like. To get in the water, we would have to sit on the side of the boat and fall backwards. Neither my heart nor my stomach were happy to hear the news, and again I had to pretend that this was ordinary for the benefit of the children. Happily, little Marley would be lowered into the water, handed off from one instructor to another. Once Hannah, my twelve-year-old, sat on the gunwale with John and rolled back on a count of three as if it were nothing, what else could I do? My heart in my throat, I moved up to the rail, feet on the bench, hand over my regulator, fingers on the mast, hold my weight belt, breathe, don't think too much, just do. One, two, three, roll. Water, bubbles, breathe. The light through the bubbles and the water sparkled as I looked up at the sky. It was comfortable, peaceful even. A quick moment later and I was on the surface, lifted in the air by my buoyancy compensator, the BC, the vest part of scuba gear. It was a windy day and at the surface there was a lot of chop. Little Marley was still quite chilled from the swimming pool. She gets cold even more than I do in the water in spite of a wetsuit. On top of the cold, she was struggling with her mask and clearing her ears and decided shortly to go back to the boat where she would wait with the captain. Raphael, the second instructor on the trip, took her back and John, Hannah, and I continued with our group underwater. We were on the inside part of the barrier reef. As the waves of surf broke over the top, I could feel the push and pull of the water. It was so much calmer than snorkeling, up where the air and water meet are the waves, chop, and spray. Dives while snorkeling are short, a quick trip down to get a closer look at something. Here, we were between huge coral heads, in the seascape, rather than looking in from the outside. Now I was hooked. This was the experience I had hoped for, after all. Grateful for the time spent in the pool, becoming comfortable with being underwater, now I could enjoy this new world. Unfortunately, this is also when John learned that his underwater camera was not rated for 10 meters, but rather for 10 feet. I seemed to keep floating upward, no matter how much I tried to deflate my BC. I could not find that buoyancy neutral place. After a few minutes, Raphael seemed to be tugging on my BC from behind me, and once he came up to my side, I saw an empty weight belt in his hand and realized he had put an extra weight in my pocket. He pulled me to the bottom and set me loose there, where I was able to stay where I wanted in the water, neither drifting up nor sinking without wishing to. I was becoming more comfortable, but still not fully aware of my surroundings. I bumped into fins, kicked my family with my own, and fully body slammed one of the other two people on our dive with my tank and shoulder. A few days later, Marley was ready to give it another go. I emailed Jan at Almost Heaven Adventures, requested Russ again, and we joined another scuba group of three as they finished their time in the swimming pool. With a ten-year-old, having two instructors with such a small group is perfect. Russ was able to stay with Marley the whole time, giving her as much time as she needed to clear her ears and pull her along. The other benefit to this was that he knew where to look for life. He pointed out dozens of fish, lobster, and a magnificent, enormous eel he later told us was a gold-spotted, moving between the rocks and coral at the bottom. They also found what looked like an empty conch shell, which housed a large hermit crab. Neither of us would have thought to pick up a little of the coarse sand at the bottom, which was made of pieces of coral shell that were not yet ground fine enough to be washed to the shore. Long before I had ever thought of strapping a tank to my own back and swimming around down there, I had heard of the diving on Cozumel. The legend was that it was crystal clear water teeming with life, the place one visualizes as they set up a saltwater aquarium in their living room. 
So we had the manager of our condo set up a beginner dive for us. Unfortunately, I didn't really read the receipt he gave us until the evening before our trip. Our reservation was for two dives or tanks with four adults. While some people may not see that this is a potential issue, I feared that it might be. At the dude ranch, I knew that if a child showed up for a horseback ride that was to be all adults, this would change our plan for the ride and delay things as we changed saddles and horses around. At that point, our only way to find out was to go ask. The dive master, a man named Serge, was rather worried about Marley. She's ten years old, but could pass for eight. This was a much larger operation with several instructors, groups coming and going, what seemed efficient chaos. We ended up spending a fair amount of time waiting as he decided it would be best for us to take a beach dive from the dock for our first tank to see how Marley would do. We would join a group coming in for their first dive after classroom and pool time. The dive shop came recommended and it seemed to have a good handle on things. The equipment did not look new as it did at Almost Heaven Adventures in Puerto Morales. The sheer numbers they worked with had to make the operation completely different. A rather big downside of this happened to Hannah as she took her giant stride into the water from the dock. Breathing in, she took a big gulp of seawater as she hit the surface. After coughing it out and trying a second time, she had me try. The regulator was clearly broken, and I took my mouthful of saline. I flagged over one of the instructors in the water, and his expression made it pretty clear that he got the same when he tried. He gave her the backup regulator, or octopus, and put the primary in her pocket. We were only going down 15 to 20 feet. She could surface if there was an emergency. Once in the water, Marley was far more self-sufficient than many of the other people in the group. Before we left the dock area, Serge signaled Marley to kneel, take out, and recover her regulator. Seeing that she did it comfortably, with no hesitation, she was good to go. He did let her hold the rope of the buoy line he pulled around, so she could keep up. There was part of an old airplane at the bottom, with fish who have made the wreck their home. I understand that before Wilma, the whole craft was still there. The hurricane left only the tail behind. Marley caught a bit of jellyfish with her knee, and although it hurt quite a lot, stayed calm down at the bottom. Once again, Marley was too cold to go back in the water after coming out. She did not join us for the drift dive from the boat. We were deeper than our other dives, and the water was perfectly clear. The reef itself is more open, not the huge heads we meandered through before. I found that by now I was much more aware of what was around me, turning more to compensate for the lack of peripheral vision caused by the goggles. I was also more accustomed to the lack of gravity. Sometimes the easiest way to take a better look at a fish or urchin was turning upside down. Three-dimensional movement, weightless. I saw a group of snorkelers pass overhead. We were sea life as they were peering in from above. One waved back as I waved to the group. Hannah had learned to use water to clear her lenses if they fogged up. During our first dive, I could scarcely see her eyes. Perhaps she found the idea of a big wad of spit in them repulsive and was too conservative on the saliva. This time, when they fogged a bit, she let a little water in them with her finger, swished it around by looking down, and then with a good exhale through the nose, forced the water out. I found, too, that clearing my ears was never the issue it was, even in the deep end of the swimming pool. The time allowed for clearing while still breathing eliminated one of my biggest concerns about diving. Hannah and I both caught jellyfish this time down. My left arm got wrapped in a long tendril and was covered with stings. I saw that last one as I hit it. 
It was several feet long, stretching up through the water, looking like a curious gelatinous ladder with a tinge of orange. A strong argument for a full wetsuit, or at least a long-sleeve rash guard. The marks on my arm and itching lasted for over a week. We managed to get in one last dive with Almost Heaven Adventures before we flew out. The four of us with Russ and another instructor named Tony. This was a wall section of the reef, different again from the other places we had seen. Once more, Russ kept Marley with him, showing her what he saw. On the return to the boat, I saw an octopus. Something moved at the base of a rock, much like the motion of a snake. Unfortunately, the rest of our group was ahead of me and rising up to the boat. Without some noisemaker underwater, it is difficult to get the attention of those you are with. I suppose our next step is open water certification for all of us. I will have to think through a plan. Do I want this enough to brave a Central Oregon lake? Now that I have time in the summer, that option is not as grim. Or maybe we'll have to include the time during our next trip to the tropics. However we do it, the world under the waves calls to me, waiting timeless and weightless for my return. You have been listening to a podcast production from Gill Adventures. Find us online at gilladventures.com, a multimedia magazine where you can explore the world through our eyes.